in the services. I appreciate you so much. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bear with me just a moment while I get my thoughts in order here and uh, let everybody get settled there a little bit. Uh, for those that might take notes tonight, if you would like, I've titled tonight's message, The Surety of Our Peace. The Surety of Our Peace. And uh, I think the songs were apropos tonight to uh, get us into that uh, mindset, into that heart condition, if you will, to talk about the surety of our peace. Open your Bibles tonight, if you would, to a very familiar passage, going to the book of Philippians, and find your way to chapter number 4. Philippians chapter 4. And I want to share some thoughts tonight out of Paul's letter to the Philippians here to remind and to encourage us in the Lord. Because I believe, and I don't think anybody would argue too much, but I do believe that with each passing day, the world in which God has put us is actively pursuing deeper darkness in the spiritual realm every single day. I believe the world is going deeper and deeper, and they're actively pursuing it. The uncanny part of it, though, is that most of those that are leading these efforts are so completely ignorant of just who is actually in charge. They think that they're in charge and leading our nation like they think it's going to be, but I'm telling you right now, I believe that they do not know who is really in charge. And in this world, and for those that do not believe that there is a God, do not believe in God, do not aspire to want to know anything about God, are following the very prince of darkness himself. For them, it is that prince of darkness that has, as the light of the word of God has given us and tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, that prince of darkness has, quote, blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the glorious of uh, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. That is 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Satan has just blinded the minds of so many. It is that ever-growing presence of darkness that makes it, for a believer, easier than ever. Even for some resolute Christians, it makes it easier than ever to become anxious about what might be coming next. From one day, from one disaster, from one horrible news article to the next, it is seemingly harder and harder to maintain a peace in our hearts as we see less and less evidence of godliness all around us. But, there's pastor's favorite word, but it's used in the right way this time. But, that is why God has kept his people, including you and me, he's kept us here for the time being. Because we are to be his present remnant that shines brighter as the darkness grows deeper. 
I'll tell you right now, I've mentioned it before. You go into a room, you light a single candle on a candlestick in the middle of that room, and you go and you turn all the lights off, close all the doors, you make it just as dark as it could possibly be. How bright is that candle now? And then you go turn the lights on, and boy, that candle doesn't look like it's going to do much. But the darker that it is around, the brighter a single light can be. Friends, we're that remnant. We are that single light wherever God has us. So we need to be reminded, I believe. And we need to be encouraged continually of ways to grasp onto and to hold fast to God's truth that our peace is, in fact, as sure as God is alive and reigning in heaven and in our hearts. Now, the best way to do that is to find it in his word. Because there is no better, there is no other source of truth than God's word. So our text tonight is simply four verses in Paul's letter to the Philippians. From these verses, three things, I believe, that will help us to maintain that surety of peace that God has promised. We're going to be looking at Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. And in those verses, I believe we'll find that we can find peace through praise. We can find peace through patterning. Now, that's a weird word, but we're gonna, you'll see what that means here in a minute. And thirdly, we'll find peace through prayer. So let's pray. Father God in heaven, as we look to your message tonight, as we look to your word, Father, to find the encouragement and the reminders that we need to continue on as your remnant, as your servants, as your candle lights in this dark world. Father God, I've asked that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts tonight. It's a very familiar passage, and I'm sure that many could even quote these verses. But God, as your Spirit leads us, Lord, may we see just how relevant they are in today's society. God in heaven, encourage us tonight. Embolden us tonight. Strengthen us, Lord, in our peace that rests in you. And may your will be accomplished tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So peace through praise. It's going to be a relatively, and I say relatively because you know how it works in a Baptist church when they say it's going to be three brief points. It's going to be 15 minutes per point. But we're not going to do that, hopefully, by God's grace. But I think it will be relatively brief this evening. But peace through praise. One of the easiest things to do, I believe, to restore peace in our hearts. Now, I say that, though, we often will infuse difficulty to this. And by that, I mean that when we're starting to feel restless or anxious about things going on or even worried about things that are happening to us, things that are happening all around us, things that are happening to those whom we love, I believe that we subconsciously convince ourselves that we cannot possibly do or think anything else beside that which we are worried about. Well, I can't think of anything good right now. I'm too worried about what's going on right here. We, we, we get this air of, how can you possibly speak of the goodness of God? Don't you see what's happening? Yeah. And God is right here with us. 
And God is allowing that to happen because God has given us the Holy Spirit of God. God has given us the very Son of God. God's given us the strength through Jesus Christ. The purity of His Word answers for what's happening all around us. So, yeah, we ought to be able to think something other than the worry about what's going on. But, you know, it becomes difficult to do or to think anything beside that which we are worried about. One of the truly easiest things to do, though, when we're not so peaceful in our spirit, is to pause and to consider the many truths of what God has already done for us. And then simply begin to praise Him for it. Verse 4 of our text. Look with me in your Bibles. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 4, we all know this verse. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now the word always here, I think we all pretty well have a good understanding of it. But always here means in every when and at all times. Rejoice in the Lord any time we have a conscious thought. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord in every situation. Not necessarily for what's happening, but the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always, in every when, at all times. And again, the Bible says, I say rejoice. Now, if we are right in the middle of some terribly worrisome circumstance, and things could not look any worse... Maybe it's true that oh, my mind is so wrapped up about what's going on here. I can't possibly think about the, the good that God has done because it's so overwhelmed by the evil that's around me right now. And I get it. We're, we're frail in that way. I understand. I am. Even if we were able to try to think of some good that God has done for us, we'll probably argue with ourselves about anything that we come up with. Well, yeah, God was good there, but that's not, that was then, this is now. Look what's going on right now. Right? We, get, we get anxious, we get worrisome, we, we get so wrapped up. But as a child of God, that same word, always, in every when, in every circumstance, and at all times, as a child of God, we can always know, even if we can't think of what God has done for us, we can always know that God is with me. God is with me. I'm in the worst circumstance of my life, but God is with me. And I could rejoice in that because God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We can know that God is with me. We can know that God has saved me. He has forgiven all my sin, all of it. He's forgiven me. We can know that. We can know that we can go through whatever this is because Christ is in me to strengthen me and to keep me. Where in your Bibles have you ever found that somehow the circumstance is going to take you out of the Lord's hand? You haven't. Because it doesn't exist. The Bible tells us that we are kept in the Lord's hand. 
And even as we're kept in the hand of Christ, Christ is in the hand of the Father. No one, not a circumstance, not a principality, not a power, not anything can separate us from the love of God through Christ. God is with me. God has saved me. I can go through this because Christ is in me. The Holy Spirit of God will help me and give me the understanding that I need just when I need it. Now, what is that understanding? Well, I don't understand why this is happening. Well, it may just be the understanding that, you know, you're not alone in this. God, I need that understanding sometimes, don't you? I need the understanding that even though it feels like I am just going through this by myself and there's no help anywhere, the Holy Spirit of God is still with us to give us the understanding that we're not alone. You see, those aren't necessarily things that God has done for us. We don't have to come up with, you know, well, God gave you this blessing on this day, and God, you know, we don't have to do all of that. When we're in the midst of such unrest, God says, just know. He says, be still and know that I am God. I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, that's sometimes all we need. It's just the reassurance. And we can know these things. So now when we do begin to fill our minds with these things, just with the knowledge that God is with us, we fill our minds with that. And if we'll do as the Bible says here, rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the fact that God is with you. Do you suppose Paul and Silas were rejoicing because they were beaten to within an inch of their lives and they're thrown in the prison and they're in the stocks and the earthquake and good night, the whole thing just about came down on top of them. Do you think they were excited about that? No, they were rejoicing in the Lord because God was with them, because God didn't forsake them. When we begin to fill our minds with these things and rejoice in those truths and rejoice again, And again, and again, as the Bible tells us, pretty soon, that unrest that we've been feeling starts to subside just a little bit. We can get back to that place of having more peace. The anxiety begins to fade. Now, it's not to say... I will, I will tell you, I am not ever going to tell you that we should just put on a happy face and grit our teeth and we'll get through it. You know why? That doesn't work. Why doesn't that work? Because when you try to do that, the focus is still on, I can do this. We can't on our own. If all we're doing is to put on the happy face we still have no joy behind it. If all we're doing is gritting our teeth until we make it through, all we're going to do is have to have dental work when we get done. You see, because it keeps our focus on ourselves, and it keeps the focus on the situation in which we are so entangled. And that doesn't provide any peace. But if we rejoice that God is still with us, okay, God is with me. God will help me. He said he would. He promised that he would. He promised that he he would not leave me nor forsake me. God, I'm claiming that promise. You better go with me. (laughs) And he will. And we are certainly not to have some kind of 
well, I put down a couple of words in my, in my notes here. We're certainly not to have some kind of a pompous or haughty attitude to say that, bring it on, whatever it is, I can take it. No, you can't. Because that's just prideful. Daniel certainly did not respond that way when he was thrown into the den of lions. Bring on the lions. I'm a dentist. I'll pull their teeth. No. The three Hebrew men did not rejoice because they were getting thrown into a fiery furnace. But do you remember the account in Scripture? Why did they rejoice? They rejoiced because they said, whether the Lord keep us alive or not, we're going to trust the Lord because even if He doesn't keep us alive, we're going to be with Him. And if He does keep us alive, then praise God, He's going to keep us alive and we're not going to get hurt. But it's all in God's hand. It's up to God. And whatever God wills, I'm okay with that. Because He knows a whole lot better than I do. They rejoiced in the Lord, knowing that God would either save them alive or they would be in His presence in glory. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Brings us to the second point. Peace through patterning. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. We can absolutely rejoice in the Lord and we can have the peace of God that passeth all understanding as it says in verse 7 here of our text tonight. But it only comes, that peace only comes as we understand and obey verse number 5. Take a look at verse number 5 with me in our text. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5. The Bible here says, Let your moderation be known unto all men the Lord is at hand. Now, there's two parts to this verse, I do believe. First, let your moderation be known. What in the world does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked that too. The words let and the words be known are translated from the very same Greek root word. And it means to know, to perceive, to understand, to be aware of. And so this is not some kind of license, if you will, to brag or some kind of humble pride that we are to wear as a badge. It simply means that how we handle difficulties should just be observed and seen and perceived. We don't have to go tell anybody how wonderfully we can handle adversity in life. Well, you know, some bad things happen, but... By God's grace, I handled those pretty well. Um, okay, but um, that's not the way we ought to be. It should just be seen. And the word moderation here actually comes from a combination of Greek words, but they're defined as an appropriate mildness, gentleness, and here it is, patience. Oh, come on! Yeah. Now this is where we can personally appropriate, that means to take upon ourselves, we can personally claim Romans chapter 8 verses 28 and 29. Wait, what? What does those verses say? You know what those verses say. Turn over there with me if you want to look at them. Romans chapter 8 verses 28 and 29. This is where we can personally take these verses to heart. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things 
work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, these verses, I believe, should really more often be used between us and the Lord in the circumstances in which we find ourselves than at any other time. I know that very often we will try to use these verses to try to console someone else. I don't believe the Lord gave them to us for that particular purpose unless He specifically directs us in the moment. These verses should be for us. We know that all things that are happening to me work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. What's happening, this is the understanding, what's happening is that we are being conformed to the image of God, uh, to God's Son, Jesus. And so we should be patterning ourselves like Jesus, which includes being moderate with meekness and temperance in every circumstance. All things work together to conform us to the image of Christ. Now, Jesus was that way. Jesus was meek and temperate and moderate in everything that he experienced because he, what is the word? Knew that all things happened by the will of God according to God's purpose. You're trying to tell me that when wars happen, that's God's plan for this life? Um, I'm trying to tell you that God is in control of everything in this world that he created. And if there are wars, then God is allowing that by his will for a purpose that you and I may not understand, but don't question God's purposes. Jesus knew that all things happened by the will of God to him. Jesus suffered some things. <laughs> we may suffer some things. We may suffer some serious inconveniences, but all things happen according to the will of God for his purpose in our lives. Now, the second part of this verse, number five, is this. And it should be a constant reminder just how close we are to the very presence of God. The second part of verse five says, the Lord is at hand. Now, we need only be reminded of two characters in Acts chapter 5. A man by the name of Ananias and his wife Sapphira. They did not remember that it is God who holds life in his hand. And friends, because we don't know when our appointed time comes due, should we be wasting time doing or saying things that go against God's outline for how we should live the life that we've been given? Should we be getting worried about what's going to happen next? No, God's in control. Should we be worried about blaming this person or blaming that party or blaming somebody else for what's going on in the world? No, God's, under, God's got it under control. What are we doing to serve God? What am I doing in my life to show others Jesus Christ? Well, it's the Democrats, it's the Republicans, it's the Libertarians, it's the Independents. Who am I representing? 
God's called me to be a representative of Jesus Christ. Whatever's happening in the world, can I tell you of a man that I know by the name of Jesus Christ, he's going to make everything easier to tolerate. It's going to make everything better in the end if you know Jesus like I know Jesus. So it should be a constant reminder. I assure you that I am not so naive as to think that this is as easy as speaking the words makes it sound. I know that it's not easy to do this on a regular basis. And yet the Word of God hasn't changed. The Word of God is still here. It still says exactly the same thing, whether we were in Bible times and living it with Christ, or whether we are right now in 2023. The Bible hasn't changed. The principles haven't changed. God has not changed. You see, as yet, as the children of God, having received from God the faith to believe, and having received from God His grace by which He allows us to grow and learn and gain small victories, and having strength available through Christ to do all things, this verse, this principle of patterning ourselves after the Lord Jesus is not only possible, but it's achievable. We can pattern ourselves after the Lord Jesus. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Which brings us to the third point tonight, peace through prayer. Verse number six in our text. Look at it if you would. The Bible here says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You see, now, when we begin to study the life and the works of Christ, tell me, what is the most reoccurring behavior that Jesus ever demonstrated? Praying to the Father. Getting up early and praying. Going off by himself and praying. In every situation, in almost every account in the Bible, we find that Jesus went off alone by himself to pray. And Jesus went to pray. And Jesus went to pray. And Jesus got up before morning, very early in the morning, and he went up, up into the mountain by himself and he prayed. If we pattern ourselves to Christ, then we must also understand the importance of this thing called prayer. God tells us through his apostle here that we're not own, we are not to be overly disturbed about anything. He said, be careful. for That's be anxious. Be overly disturbed about nothing. Rather, he says, we are to be in constant communication with God. Not only to make petition and request, because we have needs. We recognize that we have needs. Not only are we to make our petitions and our requests known to God, but the verse also tells us that we are to be rejoicing. In prayer, we're to be rejoicing, as it says in verse number 4. And we're to also include thanksgiving. For what? For everything. Because God is with us. Because God won't forsake us. Because God won't leave us. Because God is keeping us, even where we are. Thank Him for the peace that He gives also, the verse tells us here that we ought to be making more of our prayers to address the needs of others. That's the supplication part. Making our prayers 
to address the needs of others, holding others up before the Lord as we are called in Scripture to bear one another's burdens. God does know what you and I have need of. The Bible tells us that in Luke and in Matthew. The Bible tells us God knows that you have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Hold up others. Bear one another's burdens. Pray for those around us that may not have the kind of relationship that we have with God. Pray for them. Hold them up before the Lord. God does know what we have need of. But if we love as Jesus loved us, if we are to pattern ourselves after Christ, did Jesus not love us enough to put all of his needs aside and address our needs? Ought we not also to put our needs aside and to pray for the needs of others, to hold them up, love others as Jesus loved us? When we do, our greater burden in prayer will be outside of our own needs. Now, we can leave our own needs to God. He'll take care of them. He's quite capable. God will take care of His children. When we do get to that kind of consistent prayer, then our own needs will be much, much less restless in our heart. And we will experience a much more sure peace that God has promised us, as it reads in verse number 7. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall, that not will, not maybe, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. As I was studying, I came across this devotional from one of the men that I read, Charles Spurgeon. And uh, it addressed a little account in Mark chapter 4, which we studied a number of months ago. But it addressed it at the time when Jesus and his disciples uh, were going over Galilee. Jesus was asleep. Great tempest came up. The winds were howling. The waves were crashing in. The boat was filling up with water and they were fearing for their lives. So Spurgeon writes this. Mark chapter 4 and verse 36, part of it says that there were also with him other little ships. And he writes, when all creature help was useless, the Savior arose and with a word transformed the riot of the tempest into the deep quiet of a calm. Then were the little vessels at rest as well as that which carried the Lord. See, Jesus is the star of the sea and though there be sorrow upon the sea, when Jesus is on it, there is joy also. May our hearts make Jesus their anchor, their rudder, their lighthouse, their lifeboat, and their harbor. And he goes on to write later on in this devotional, Not one ship in the convoy shall suffer wreck. He writes, Winds and waves will not spare us, but they all obey him. And therefore, whatever squalls may occur without, faith shall produce a blessed calm within. He is ever in the center of the weather-beaten company. That's us. Let us rejoice in him. His vessel has reached the haven, and so shall ours. 
And so with that, I'm going to close with just a couple of verses. One verse. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 16. Before I read that, this little illustration, it, it talks about Jesus was in a ship and there were other little ships with him. Friends, are, are, are we not in this life with Christ? There's tempest all around. If Jesus is the master ship, we are the other little ships. And it's so encouraging to, to read that and hear and understand that not one ship was lost in the storm. God takes care of us. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 16 says this, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. And it closes the verse with, The Lord be with you all. Now that's both a blessing that's bestowed upon us as a prayer, but it's also a statement of fact. Child of God, the Lord is with us. We can rest peacefully in that always. The Bible says the Lord of peace himself give you his peace always by all means. We can have a surety of peace even in the storms around us. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Get to our prayer time. We've got just a little bit of time here yet.